pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News & World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who've found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. The peripheral nervous system makes up a large network of nerves that connect the brain and spinal cord to the body. These nerves range in size from the tiny nerves in our skin to large nerves like the sciatic nerve that stretches all the way down the leg. Damage to even our smallest nerves can cause intense pain, and nerves that don't heal or reconnect properly after injury are much more likely to cause chronic pain. Medical conditions like diabetes, HIV, or cancer can damage the peripheral nerves and lead to neuropathic pain. This is often felt as burning, electric-like, or stabbing pain. Others might experience numbness. Electrical stimulation of single nerves that cause pain, called peripheral nerve stimulation, offers a way to control pain without accessing the spinal cord. We haven't had many devices specifically designed for the peripheral nerves until now. The device is called StimRouter. It's minimally invasive for patients with certain kinds of neuropathic pain in the arms, legs, pelvis, and trunk. Kay Gagnon continues sharing firsthand how this peripheral nerve stimulator turned her life around following a motor vehicle accident. Then Dr. Ainer Odestat from the Stanford Medical Center describes the implantation process, how much relief patients can typically experience, and what the future holds for peripheral nerve stimulation. Aches and Gains is supported by Nevro, St. Jude Medical, Bioness, Boston Scientific, and the pain community. For cutting-edge treatments and ways to manage pain, please sign up for weekly emails at paulchristomd.com. Kay Gagnon is an engineer in the aerospace industry. She was injured in a motor vehicle accident when a texting driver hit her car. Kay, welcome back to Aches and Games. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to share my story. Last time, you talked about the severe upper buttock pain you experienced after the motor vehicle accident. You injured the clunial nerves, which provide sensation to the upper buttock region. You tried medications, acupuncture, and physical therapy, but continued to find yourself just trying to survive. Let's now talk about how you found out about peripheral nerve stimulation with the StimRouter device. Well, you know, I, I kept on going to orthopedics who said, Kay, you've done everything that you can do. I think now it's time for injections. Mm -hmm. And so I went for one more opinion, and um, that's when I found out about the clinical trial that was going on for the stem router. And I was very happy to be a lab rat. I said, <laughs> yes, sign me up. Let's go. <laughs> but what made you decide to give it a try? It was the first thing that sounded positive in that I thought it was low risk. I mean, at first when they said they wanted to stimulate my nerve end directly, that worried me. I was 
you know, in aerospace, and, you know, I dealt with a lot of small circuits, and I thought, they're stimulating my nerve, won't it fatigue? And, mm-hmm. and then I did some research and found out that there's been spinal stimulation for decades. I thought, all right, well, if they can stimulate your, your spinal column, uh, I'm going to give my nerve a try. And, and I knew then there was some other possibilities that they could um, deaden the nerve. That sounded too risky to me. I didn't want to just kill a nerve. Right. So this sounded like a good option for me. Okay. What made you eligible for the study? They tested to verify that my pain was really nerve-related. Mm-hmm. I remember being on a table and they stimulated me and I'm like, yes, that <laughs> gives me total relief. Mm-hmm. And the other way we do that is by providing a local anesthetic injection along the nerve to determine if patients get relief. Now, how long had you been in pain before the stim router was implanted? I, year and like eight months. Wow. Yeah, I was very stubborn. I didn't, <laughs> you know, I really was trying to avoid, you know, what I considered risky. And and looking back on it, it's like, boy, I put my body through an awful lot of stress, mm-hmm. but I feel like I found the right solution. Good for you. I know that you didn't continue any medications during that study period either. Now, Kate, tell us how this stimulator was implanted. Well, it's actually really interesting. It's just about a two and a half inch long, very flexible wire that has little, I'll call them hair follicles, to, to keep the implant in place. Mm-hmm. Some implants can, can move in the body in a negative way, and this one moves with the body, and, it, and because it's designed so well, it has little micro barbs that will stick to the nerve and uh, flex with the body. So, you know, you can't tell that it's in there. Uh, the, the surgery was very, very simple. I went in, they... Um, gave me a little bit of happy gas, and Mm -hmm. I could hear the doctors. They were talking to me. They wanted to make sure, you know, that I could feel the stimulation where my nerve was. And then I was out, and I woke up, and the surgery was like 30 minutes or something. Yeah, it can be quite fast. How was the recovery? You know, I went home that night, and I had dinner, and I was fine, you know, the next day. And Kay, when did you start feeling a difference in your pain? After about a week, I could really start feeling like, wow, this is game-changing. You know, this not only feels good, I am actually starting to not feel as much pain as I've been living in. That's terrific. How would you describe the sensation that you feel from the stimulation? Yeah, it's it's a buzzing sensation, like if you have... Um, in physical therapy, I was used to the sensation, you know, but the first time you feel it, it literally feels like you're getting a little electrical shock. Mm -hmm. It's not shocking like a big bang. It's just a little buzzing feeling. And it's actually quite comfortable in my mind. Once you get used to it, it's, you don't even realize, you know, you you have it on Mm -hmm. and it just relieves the pain too. And, you know, it just, it's it's such a relief. I would put it on and then forget I have it on. People go, what, what's that? And I'm like, oh, that's just my butt buzzer. Don't worry about it. It's making me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about the electrode patch that's placed on top of your skin and then the external pulse transmitter that's placed on top of the patch? Oh, yeah, I call it the little jelly bean. So it's, a, it's maybe an inch and a half by a half inch. I call it a flat jelly bean that uh, sticks to... Uh, a pad that has uh, like post-it note gel on it that mm-hmm. you put onto your skin. Right. It's a hard case, but it's just kind of curved with your body. Uh, my implant is just right around where my jeans hit it, and uh, every once in a while, um, you know, my jeans will go below the what I call the jelly bean, and <laughs> and somebody might notice it, you know, and I just go, oh, that's just that's just my stem router. It helps my back, and you know, but usually it can't be seen. Right. Exactly. 
How about the patient programmer? What is that like? What I call my remote control is just a very small handheld to, to turn it on. I can adjust the pulsing. I can adjust how intense the vibration is. Mm-hmm. And um, I tended to just find the level and the pulse that I liked, and I just kept it on the same mode. Right. For a while in the beginning, I would try different modes just because, you know, I was just in so much pain. Mm-hmm. You know, once I found the mode that I liked, just, you know, kind of the pulse variation and the, and the intensity. And now, when I first started, I was on like intensity level five. Now I just swear it at intensity level one. That's all I need. Right. Well, that's good. So, Kay, you had one stem router lead placed uh, along the cluneal nerve in the right upper buttock for pain relief, and you didn't have any complications related to that surgery either. Oh, and by the way, do you take this off before you bathe? Yes, and that was a problem because you get so used to it. A couple of times I'd go in the shower with it, and I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> now, okay, the battery lasts about eight hours, and then what do you do? I just uh, plug it in. It's got a little a charging port, what I call the jelly bean, a little stimulation device that sits outside the body, plugs mm-hmm. in, recharges just like a cell phone, and same thing for the hand controller. Mm-hmm. So I've got one cord that will charge both devices at the same time. It's got a little Y-split on it. And how long does it take to charge? Mm-hmm. It doesn't take long. I'd say probably about two hours. Mm -hmm, That's pretty quick. And when you don't have the external pulse transmitter attached, do you sense that the lead is in your body? You cannot even feel the wire. It's so small and flexible. Is there anything about the device that you don't like? No, I really can't say one bad thing about it. It really did transform my life. We talked about, you know, what life is like with chronic pain. And this just set me off on recovery. That's really good news. Okay, when did you begin to notice relief after the stem router was implanted? Almost immediately because you know, just having that sensation of the gentle buzzing just kind of interrupts the pain cycle. But really, I could start feeling relief significantly after the first week and then after the first month. It was just a major significant you know, relief to the point where I remember the first time I actually went to a dinner and was able to sit through the whole thing without having to get up mm-hmm. due to pain. Mm-hmm. It was probably four to six months after having the device in. Well, I mean, that was a major improvement. Now, initially, you used the device eight hours a day and at night. Today, though, three years later, how often do you use it? I am right now only wearing it about every six to seven days. Mm-hmm. And it's very minor. And as soon as I start feeling that, I'll charge up my device and I'll put it on, and it'll go away before it even becomes anything of concern. Wow. Now, Kay, it's been three years. How much relief have you had from the stem router device? I would say I was probably 80% better within the first six months, and then that 10 to 15% took probably a year, but you know, by then you're just like so much more relief. Yeah. That last 10 to 15% is just icing on the cake. Good for you. Do you feel like you've become more functional? I mean, what can you do now that you couldn't do before the stem router was placed? I can walk for an hour at a time, no grinding, no pain. I do yoga three times a week. Mm-hmm. This summer, I built a, a metal building. I was physically active for yeah. three months, five days a week, eight-hour days. So wow. I feel like I'm fully back and recovered uh, from my injury. That's so good to hear. 
What would you say to those who have pain and continue to suffer and who've lost hope? One of the reasons why I'm on with you today is I really think it's important for people that are in chronic pain to just keep asking for what alternate solutions are out there Mm -hmm. and find a pain management specialist and uh, get your doctors to work with each other and listen to what your concerns are and just keep on searching for something that works. I think those are excellent points. And as I've told my patients, and I've also reiterated in my book, reach out for the help you need, be open, and don't give up. Kay, it was terrific having you on the show today. Thank you. Well, I appreciate the, the opportunity. Up next is pain specialist Dr. Aner Odestet from Stanford Medical Center. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Nevro, the global leader in evidence-based and drug-free chronic pain technologies. We are here to help patients get back their independence. Bioness, a leading provider of solution-driven medical devices and rehabilitation technologies that provide functional and therapeutic benefits for individuals affected by pain and central nervous system disorders. The Pain Community, a web-based nonprofit created by people living with pain. Check out paincommunity.org for information, references, advocacy tools, and a premium section to securely interact with other members in forums and chat rooms. For cutting-edge treatments and resources, follow Dr. Paul Christo on Twitter at Dr. Paul Christo and like Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo on Facebook. Dr. Aner Odestet is a clinical associate professor of anesthesiology and pain medicine at Stanford University School of Medicine. He's also the president of the World Academy of Pain Medicine Ultrasonography. Dr. Odestet, welcome back to Aches and Gains. My pleasure. Last time, we talked about the research studies showing not only good pain relief from peripheral nerve stimulation, but improvement in function, sleep, and mood. We highlighted which patients would be good candidates for peripheral nerve stimulation with StimRadar and the risks of placing the device. Now, do you feel that patients need to get temporary relief from a local anesthetic block of the target nerve to ensure that that is the pain generator? Yeah. Now, I don't think there's any evidence that the block predicts whether a StimRadar is going to work, Mm -hmm. Uh, but at least it tells you you're on the right nerve, so you're giving yourself the best chance of success. Exactly. Now, we've placed the lead underneath the skin, and then there's a disposable gel electrode patch that's, that's placed over the other end of the lead, and then an external pulse transmitter, which is like a rectangular plastic device, is snapped on top of the patch. And the external pulse transmitter transmits electrical current through the skin to the lead and then down the lead toward the nerve that needs stimulation. Exactly. The the power uh, transmits through the skin. So the battery uh, is it's almost like a small lighter or patch mm-hmm. uh, that you put over the battery location and the battery itself is rechargeable. It just pops in and out uh, using two metal connectors right. to the uh adhesive patch. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sticky patch generally is good for two or three days. The, the truth is you can use it as long as it stays sticky. Uh, and as long as the patient takes care of the site, uh, they always clean the skin before they put on the, the sticky pad. It'll uh, tend to live a little bit longer. So you may go four or five days before replacing the pad. Yeah. The battery is rechargeable. So you just charge it up at night and use it during the day. Or if you're someone who needs to use it 24-7, then you can just have two batteries mm-hmm. and swap them out for continuous use. Have you had any patients who feel that it's inconvenient to have to wear the external pulse transmitter or that it interferes with movement or clothing? I think as long as you can avoid joint lines, 
uh, as long as you you think a little bit about what kind of clothes people wear, you'll you'll have success. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you can certainly optimize the placement a, a little bit based on patient convenience as well. Mm-hmm. And by joint lines, we mean those areas like the knee, the ankle, the wrist that have movement. So we want to avoid placing the lead in those specific areas. Now, Ener. Have you noticed whether patients require much reprogramming of the stem router? I mean, sort of like we need to do with spinal cord stimulation. Yes, actually, that, that is a, a good way to describe it. So with the spinal cord stimulators, usually over the course of the first couple of months, uh, the body heals, and it heals around that electrode. Mm-hmm. Uh, that healing process uh, changes the current level that's required for stimulation because the tissue is changing slightly. Yeah. Uh, so as a result, for the first a couple of months with stim router, I do see something similar where the patients will come in and uh, get optimized uh, a couple of times. Uh, so several times patients have come back saying the stimulation doesn't feel as it used to, mm-hmm. but then when we uh, work with them a little bit and show them where to put the pad, uh, then they're happy again. Yeah. So I would say just optimal battery position has uh, has been a, a bigger deal than reprogramming the lead itself. Mm-hmm. And how long does it typically take you to place the peripheral nerve stimulator? The learning curve was actually really fast. And uh, ever since then, as long as I'm able to find the nerve, the technical portion of it takes about 20 or 30 minutes. The recovery period for this particular procedure, though, is pretty short. The recovery period uh, is actually almost nil. Uh, I would say the most disappointing thing about recovery for most folks is you don't get to try this device out for uh, at least two weeks after the implant procedure. Mm-hmm. You want that skin to be completely healed before you start putting the sticky adhesive gel patch on it. Right. Uh, in terms of restrictions, I, I tell people to take it easy for maybe three to five days. Mm-hmm. I want a little bit of scar tissue to form before they start doing uh, jumping jacks or <laughs> running a marathon. Uh-huh. But uh, otherwise, they're, they're free to uh, exercise or, or, or walk around or, or do anything like that, ride a bike. Mm. I, I will say that I don't allow them to submerge for uh, 10 to 14 days. So yeah. no swimming, no no hot tubs, uh, and no bath. Now, do your patients typically use the device for six, eight hours at a time or longer? In uh, some cases, people actually use it 24 hours a day. Uh, and these are the folks where uh, they have a, a couple of batteries, so one is always uh, charging. Uh, in those cases, uh, I would say try to let that skin breathe uh, as much as you can mm-hmm. uh, and take the sticky pad off at least for a, for a few hours. Yeah. On the other hand, uh, you have people who only need to use it for maybe an hour or two in the morning, and they actually have residual pain relief that may last nine or ten hours, mm-hmm. uh, and then they use it for another couple of hours in the evening. That seems to happen a, a little bit over time. Uh, So people I implanted in January who used it maybe 8 to 10 hours a day uh, are now down to 3 or 4 hours a day. It's pretty fascinating, and it reminds me of our previous guest, Kay, who said that she used the stim router many, many hours during the day initially when it was implanted, but three years later, she just needs to use it every 6 to 7 days for 6 to 8 hours. And I wonder whether this reflects a reduction in pain processing of the nerve itself or the spinal cord of the brain or, or just healing. We're up for a break, but straight ahead, we'll ask Dr. Adestat whether patients need to use the stim router for life or not. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Boston Scientific, a leader in microelectric implantable technologies used to treat chronic neuropathic pain. Be sure to look for the exclusive release of Dr. Paul Christo's new book, Aches and Gains. You'll get cutting-edge information on understanding pain, traditional and innovative treatments, and an exciting array of integrative therapies. 
You'll also get personal accounts of celebrities in their battle to overcome pain. Get your copy on Amazon this fall. Remember, no one is immune to pain, but together we can overcome it. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Welcome back. Aner, do you feel that patients will need to continue to use the STEM router for life? Uh, even if we go back to the original studies, people who've had these STEM routers for multiple years now, uh, some of those STEM routers are starting to come out mm-hmm. simply because the patient doesn't need them anymore. Right. Are these people getting better as a result of the STEM router, or is it that they have a STEM router implanted as they're getting better on their own? Uh, So I think that's the interesting question that we still have to answer. Exactly. It is very interesting, and I think we should study that. Now, Aner, the data from spinal cord stimulation tells us that we should offer that particular intervention earlier compared to later after the chronic pain syndrome has been diagnosed because the success rate is so much higher. I feel as though we should probably do the same for peripheral nerve stimulation or stim router. What's your impression? My personal theory on that is... Uh, Probably the longer you have a chronic neuropathic pain, uh, the longer it's going to take to treat that, uh, to reverse the process. Mm -hmm. Uh, The folks that have had more immediate improvement tended to be uh, someone who had their ankle surgery six months ago, not six years ago. So I think it may be just simply better to intervene sooner on these patients uh, rather than later. Mm -hmm. I agree. I haven't found that the stim router has led to any complications personally, but it's reported that it could lead to skin rash, redness, soreness, or some sensitivity to the electrode patch. Now, how much relief are you seeing your patients get from the stim router? 30%, 50%, or or more? The study from uh, Neuromodulation 2016 uh, really shows around 32 to to 40%, depending on which body region you're implanting. Mm -hmm. I've seen significantly better uh, results than that. And also with the use of ultrasound, where I can clearly visualize the lead next to the nerve, Right. Uh, my success rate, I would say 50 to, to 100% is what I'm seeing. Well, that's terrific. When do you recommend that patients try the stim router? I mean, before medication management or nerve blocks or after? I, I still do uh, probably a, a month or two of uh, titrating neuropathic medications. I certainly have started reaching for stimulators in the first couple of months now, whereas if you had talked to me three years ago, we would frequently try uh, various medications and various blocks for uh, a year or a year and a half before moving up the ladder to nerve stimulators. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the reasons for that is they didn't work that great. <laughs> right. I think our current technology since 2016 has really exploded in the field of neuromodulation. Mm-hmm. It simply makes sense to uh, go to the device sooner rather than later. Uh, another big caveat here is for the people who truly have this terrible uh, 10 out of 10 neuropathic pain is they'll start on opioids. And if you wait for a year and someone's on opioids, the doses are going up, then you actually have two problems at the end of that year you're trying to treat. Mm-hmm. The opioid usage as well as the nerve pain. Right. Most interventions tend to not work quite as well when, when people are taking opioids and certainly high-dose opioids. And before we close, what's important for all of us to know about the STEM router peripheral nerve stimulator? Uh, I think the the take-home is we now have a fairly new, uh, specifically designed device for peripheral nerves that actually provides excellent results, uh, ease uh, of placement and ease of use Mm -hmm. for anyone who has pain in one peripheral nerve. 
I'm personally would highly recommend using direct visualization with ultrasound guidance, mm-hmm. both for safety and efficacy. I think where the overall field is going and where the, the country is going in terms of the opioid crisis will be to earlier and more aggressive use of this type of technology before we, we have the patients on hundreds of milligrams of morphine and, and still intended to then pain. I agree wholeheartedly. We have a lot of good options other than opioids now to treat chronic pain, and one of them is neurostimulation. And by the way, I cover neurostimulation, that is, spinal cord stimulation and peripheral nerve stimulation, in my book, Aches and Gains, that you can get on Amazon. Dr. Ottestat, it was a fantastic show. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. And thank you for listening. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.